Welcome to Some Other Sphere, a podcast discussing the strange, eclectic, macabre, and esoteric. Hosted by Rick Palmer. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Some Other Sphere. My guest is Dr. Alan Montgomery, the creator of the My Search for Magic blog. In the blog, Alan documents his travels around the British Isles and France, where he visits locations both natural and man-made, and invariably very old, that have a strong background of folklore, myth and legend, to experience the otherworldliness that is often so hard to find in our modern day-to-day world. Uh, We talked about what inspired him to start the blog, some of the favourite sites he visited, and the advice he has for people wanting to start their own search. I thought it was great stuff. This episode was first recorded in September 2018. Thank you. Uh, Alan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, so you do the blog, the My Search for Magic blog. Um, just tell us a little bit about how that came into being. And uh, the, the you mentioned a couple of um, a series of books that inspired you, I believe, in the in your in your bit in the blog about what inspired you. Yes. Um, can you just talk about those for a little bit? Please? Absolutely. So, well. Um... I mean, I started the blog in 2012, I think it was, and um, it was just a an idea that, that kind of came to me quite suddenly. But I think when I when I thought about the idea more fully, I realised it was something that actually had interested me ever since I was a child, particularly through the books that I read and the kind of films that I enjoyed, the television programmes that I watched. I realised that there really was a, a running theme, which was uh, something magical, the uncanny, the supernatural, uh, sometimes a bit creepy. Um, so, so I mean, the, the first evidence of that interest, I suppose, would be the books that I read as a child. Things like going right back to things like um, Peter Blyton's Magic Faraway Tree, and and then the Children of Green Now by Lucy and Boston. And I think the the running theme in in those books. Is really this idea of, of a kind of ordinary kid who ends up being transported into this supernatural magical world and I and I think like like many children I suppose nowadays kids have that same feeling about books like Harry Potter but there's always that a kind of at the back of your mind the idea that you know you might you might be the kid that this happens to and you might find this magical place and, and meet all these incredible people so and I think in a way uh, even as I grew up, uh, although the books I was reading became more adult, there was still that theme. I, I got very into Angela Carter, for example, and Jeanette Winterson. There's a kind of magical realist thing going on in a lot of their work as well. So, so that that was that. I, I, and I think actually, in fact, thinking about it as well, a, a lot of the things I enjoyed doing as a kid, like going to ruined castles and standing stones almost became the basis for the blog as well, actually going to places that seem to have a kind of magical atmosphere as well, I suppose. Okay, so yeah, um, one thing that uh, it made me think of when you were talking about um, those books, um, do you, do you, have you read any books by Alan Garner? Yes, the famous yeah, so, one. Because I remember... Is, that the, is it the Weirstone of Brisingarman, is that right? <laughs> Yeah, the Weirdstone of Brisingaman and yeah. uh, the Owl Service as well. Um, yes, I haven't read that one. I've only read the first one. I, and actually, I read that as a kid and loved it and read it more recently as well and really enjoyed it again. And I keep meaning but, to read his other books because he's been in the press quite a lot recently again and it's always something that I need to, uh, to uh, yeah, cause, follow up on. Like, yeah, because like you say, they're, um, they're very much the kind of the, the a blend of, of the of the unusual with the with the real world but yeah. there's not there's not a kind of jarring division between them it's just it's it's a, Alan Garner has this great way of kind of blending the two worlds together and almost mm-hmm. like you can't you can't see the divide and, and with those stories it's a, after after a while you kind of you don't maybe care about that anymore the the thing that kind of sets up the story sort of disappears into the background and you you kind of caught up in the story i guess and I suppose maybe something else that all these books have in common is quite a, a kind of place is quite important to them as well. I can't remember the, the place mm. here, the name of the place that he grew up, but I know he was kind of inspired by the landscape 
Um, I think it was um, Alderley Edge. Yes. So you can Cheshire. go and visit the place where those books were based. So yeah, yeah. So it seems, I, I suppose you could say that about a lot of the books that I enjoyed as a child and also as an adult. Um, is this is, is a, it's a, a magical place is quite important as well, and the influence of the landscape and the atmosphere on that on that idea of the uncanny or the magical. Hmm. So um, in your in your blog, you you kind of subtitled the the name of the blog with um, looking for magic in the modern world do you think do you think that since the time that you read those books and perhaps since the time that the books were set do you feel like it's more difficult to find these kind of places or is it just a case of they're maybe not um as (laughs) as well advertised is is it is it a mixture of those things or, or or neither in some ways, I, I suspect it is more difficult because one of the things that I found when I was searching for magic, which, which I still do, but, but um, although I don't write the blog anymore, uh, I haven't for a few months anyway, um, is that in order for somewhere to really have that, that special atmosphere, it has to be quite a peaceful and quiet place. And I find that mm. uh, big crowds of people and... Um, uh, busy traffic nearby and those kind of things really tend to detract from what I'm looking for and I think uh, although it's uh, uh, great in many ways that nowadays people love to visit uh, you know heritage sites and castles and uh, prehistoric sites and things like that it's, um, it, it, it can detract from what, what I'm particularly looking for in many of these places so I think more and more you have to look off the beaten track to find yeah. to find the kind of thing that I'm looking for. I mean, example a great example of that. I mean, many of the places that, that I revisit are, are sites that I went to as a child. Okay. And I have quite vivid memories of because because I my uh, my poor parents bless them used to be dragged around all sorts of uh, all sorts of strange places and uh, yeah, and, I, I think um, that's a common childhood memory, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> absolutely, it's <a> for me. <laughs> Uh, and I remember going to places uh, uh, that, and kind of having them to, your, to yourself, uh, and really getting getting the chance to explore them in that way. But nowadays, so many sites are uh, really popular and very busy, and therefore, as a result, I tend to find not very magical places. Right. Like, for example, a really a really perfect example of this is somewhere that I went not that long ago, which is Avebury. I remember yes. going there as a child and. You know the little village in the centre and all these fabulous standing stones surrounding it. And, you know it really has an incredible atmosphere. But going back a couple of years ago, you know there's now a huge car park. There was coach after coach load of people arriving. There's some gift shop and cafes and all that kind of stuff. And as I say, although it's 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 wonderful that people are really appreciating and enjoying these places. If you're searching for magic, it's not it's not very um, helpful. <laughs> right. But in a way, you know, that in a way that it, it as I say, it pushes me to, to look for more unusual places, for the less well known places, uh, sites that aren't in fact even many sites that aren't officially open to the public, if you like, that you kind of have to, you know, scramble through forests to find and things like that. So Oh, okay. So, that sounds like it's even more even more fun. <laughs> well exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. It it, it can it can add to it and it can it can push you to to find more exciting places. And that was one of the things I enjoyed about the blog most, I think, was that it took me to so many places that I think otherwise I wouldn't have discovered because I was constantly on the lookout for for new ideas and new inspiration. You know, everywhere I went I would you know, have a search around and see what there was that that, that would that would that would suit what I was looking for. So it I, I think it gave me the opportunity to see lots of interesting uh, things that I wouldn't have otherwise found. Great. Um, one thing I did notice about the blog um, that I found interesting was that um, uh, it's kind of a blend of the sites that you go to. So one of your more, more recent posts um, was about a place called The Grotto in, mm-hmm. in Stourhead. Yeah. It seems to be kind of um, almost like a constructed place. Like it was intentionally yes. constructed to be a bit unusual is there yes. like a i guess like a, a folly almost yes exactly um and and then but you go all the way back into places in uh, in scotland and Brittany, which are, are far older do you think that those places 
do they conjure up a different kind of magic or is it the same sense but just sort of done differently yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's interesting you say that because i hadn't thought about the, the, the difference between that uh, the, those kind of sites but because i and the, the grotto is an interesting example because um i i think in many ways my interest in the uncanny and the you know that 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 supernatural experience is quite similar to 18th century romantic ideas when people people really got into that sense of, of loving being chilled and got very into ruins and yeah. mountains and things like that uh, which is exactly when that grotto at Stourhead was built and to, to to capture that that kind of response I suppose um, so it, it for me it, I don't particularly differentiate about whether something is uh, or, well, authentic is that the right word? Was it, you know something doesn't mm. have to be uh, ancient or you know it's it's I guess it's more just about the atmosphere that's created rather than than any sense of specific authenticity. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm taking it from the accent you you grew up in Scotland. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> which is I'd still go back fairly regularly, which is probably it uh, sounds like you noticed that many of my uh, blog posts feature Scotland. Yeah, I have to admit, I th- at first I thought that you that you you lived there, but I, do you live in London now? Yeah, I live in London. Okay, cool. So, um, but you, so you want to just tell us a little bit about some places um, um, closer to home, well, Scot- closer to Scotland, anyway. That um, that that you that you are some of your favourites, um, the perhaps yeah. that you remember from being taken there as well as mm-hmm. when you were when you were a kid. Yeah. Um, let me think. Uh, I can I can think of a few great ones that I've been to as an adult. Ones that I went right. to as a kid is a bit more. Of, but some of that that might come to me. But I can certainly talk about some of the ones that I've seen as an adult. Oh yeah, that's um, fine. I think the thing about Scotland is, uh, I mean, it is a country that's that has so much folklore and you know all the, the tales of fairies and elves and selkies and so so it, it, there is already something quite uh, magical about scotland in my eyes anyway um mm. and I, I, certainly i i love reading fairy tales and uh folklore from areas like orkney and you know, the the highlands and things like that so so it, in that sense it's it, it's it's quite a rich area if you want to search for sites that have magical associations um and in a way i think also in somewhere like scotland it is easier to to uh to certainly compared to london it's much easier to get away from the crowds and get off the beaten track um perhaps also because i know it a bit better as well i suppose um, I would say uh, Scotland is definitely the, the location where I've found uh, certainly my, my favourite um, <laughs> magical location and favourite blog post uh, was, was one of the Scottish ones. It's a place called Yester Castle. Ah, uh, yes, um, I am. Um, that was one of my favourite posts too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's an amazing place. Uh, and, it, and in fact, it, it's exactly the kind of place that I've been talking about because it is... Um, well, it's a ruined castle, a very ruined castle uh, in a forest, and it's not uh, open to the public in that sense. It's it's on private land, but it's it's fairly accessible if you know where to go, and people obviously do access it. There's, there's pathways and, and things like that. Um, but it is but it is uh, hidden, and you need to know where you're going. So it is somewhere you really can escape to in that sense. And also, it just so happens that somewhere with well, that already has uh, a very famous uh, folklore associations, magical associations as well. So in oh, yeah. many ways, it ticks all the boxes for for uh, for my blog, definitely. Yeah. So um, yeah, just tell us a little bit more about that that folk. Yeah. Okay. So, well, it, uh, the castle is medieval, and once, in fact, apparently, was one of the largest and most impressive. Uh, fortresses in Scotland um, and the story is that it was uh, first built 
by a chap called uh, Hugo de Gifford. Uh, it's just near the, the town called Gifford, actually. So I guess he gives his name to uh, to the the town as well. Um, and uh, it, the story is that when he was building the castle, he um, conjured up. Well, he was a wizard, I should say. He's called the Wizard of Yesta. Um, and the the story is that he conjured up an army of goblins to help him construct this amazing uh, this castle that he was that he was building. Um, this is all in the 13th century, I think. If I think that's correct. Um, and uh, and the main thing that they built was a huge underground uh, vaulted room, which has ever since then been known as. Uh, now I have to use my best Scottish accent here. The Goblin Hall, I think it is. Ah, Goblin okay. Hall, I suppose, would be the the English translation of that. Um, and so, in fact, since then, most of the rest of the castle has disappeared, and it's very overgrown. What is left is very overgrown and very fragile. So there are a couple of remaining walls, quite impressive walls, with remains of carved fireplaces and windows. But most of it's gone. But what does survive is this underground hall. Um, now it's it, it, it's not the easiest place to access and the day that I visited it had been raining and it was quite muddy and you literally had to clamber through forest to get to it rather muddy forest unfortunately the day that I visited and then take a rather precarious kind of uh, walk uh, along a very muddy path right at the top of a fairly steep ditch which leads down to a river so I had to kind of clamber across that and then there's a well, a, a kind of passage, a doorway into the into the, the underground chamber, which is right. Uh, well, it has a it has a grill over it, which looks like at some point it had been locked, but but nowadays it just lies open and people go inside. So you can clamber into this down this tunnel, and it suddenly opens out into this huge vaulted room with this very beautiful vaulted ceiling. Yeah, I've seen um, the the photos on your blog are, are great. The that's incredible. Yeah, the Goblin Hall. It's it. Your photos look like something. They look like the photos that they would that might be found on a camera when the person when a person's disappeared. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like not, not to tell. Well, it, it kind of it could have felt like that to be honest, because it's very dank and very dark. And as I say, I was there in in winter, um, which is maybe the best time to go. I would suggest if you really want to be spooked. Um, and uh, I. Well, I went by myself, which I should I should have said earlier. To me, that is definitely the best way to search for magic. I think you have to be by yourself as well to really get to really immerse yourself in the, the whole experience. Um, and I uh, so I clambered down and just you know discovered this this amazing hall. Uh, and the, the creepiest part is uh, uh, as I was my eyes were adjusting to the darkness, uh, I suddenly noticed in one corner is an another dark doorway so when right. I uh, approached that and looked down and then there's a pitch dark staircase leading down into just what you know who knows what um uh so I didn't I didn't have a torch or anything with me and I was standing thinking I really want to see what's down that staircase typical uh, horror movie back. stuff isn't it <laughs> <laughs> and, and I um and I thought, well, I don't know how to do this. I had a camera. I thought maybe I could use my camera flash to get down there. And I was trying to cut. And I thought maybe I could just clamber down there. And my eyes would adjust. And then, and then suddenly I thought, Alan, what on earth are you doing? You're by yourself in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I have no mobile phone, no way of cut. And I thought it's really not a good idea to start clambering down a pitch dark. Yeah, uh, you've watched. Yeah, you've watched horrible. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, <laughs> and suddenly, actually, I just felt completely spooked. The whole the whole thing just became too much, and, and I, my stomach sank, and I thought actually I really need to get out of here now, and I just kind of dashed out the place, uh, and and it's a I, this there's, it's an experience that's really stuck with me actually. I can still feel that kind of the real chill that went through me at the, I guess thinking about what the possibilities were of going down that staircase. Um, yeah, I have I have since googled it and seen what's down that staircase, but I I won't. I won't reveal that just in case anybody else wants to go and um, experience it for themselves. Oh, okay, um, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers there, but it, <laughs> I mean it is a, it is an amazing place, and like I say, for 
in terms of what I look for when I'm searching for magic, it really has pretty much everything. That, that air of neglect and and uh, ruin, uh, and quite melancholy in a way, but uh, and also the the myths and legends attached to it that are that are so exciting as well. I didn't see any goblins, I should say. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe <laughs> next time. There are tales that, uh, if you go at night, there are tales that strange lights and sounds have been seen coming from the depths of the, of the, um, the Goblin Hall as well. But again, unfortunately, I didn't experience any of that. <laughs> so in terms of the stories around a place like that, do you think, how do you think something like that kind of comes about? Do you think it's, because it, that's one of the things about folklore, it's, it's funny how a story can kind of become attached to a place and mm-hmm. not so much that it's important really because it's a it's a great story to have attached to a place like that and when you combine it with the atmospheric ruins it, it has a great effect but do you, do you do you think that story came about as because the the guy was was genuinely a, a wizard or is it maybe just not very not much liked or or is it it's a combination of um I mean, I don't know how much is actually known about him because obviously we're talking about the 14th century. Um, what I what I assumed was that it is it's such an unusual structure and such an impressive structure, and I suppose because so much of the rest of the castle has disappeared, that this this uh, kind of awe-inspiring vaulted room underneath survives. It's almost like there must be something magical about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that while everything else falls apart, you know, how do you explain the fact that A, they built this amazing room with this incredibly elaborate ceiling, and, and B, that it's that it still survives while everything else falls apart. So possibly something like that, I guess. So much of folklore is ways of trying to explain things that are strange and inexplicable. Um, so that, that would certainly be my guess. Yeah, the the Wizard of Yesterday. It sounds like a character out of something like Ivanhoe or something. It made me yeah. think of a bit of Walter Scott. Like something Do you know, like... I think he does appear in Walter Scott. It's, I don't know if it's a novel or one of Walter Scott's uh, history books, but yes, I think, or, or one of his poems, is it Marmion? Maybe I think, yes, he does pop up in that. Because, um, of course, Walter Scott was a great one for Scottish folklore and all that kind of thing as well. Okay, cool. So, um, so where else in Scotland would you... Would would you pick out as a as a as a highlight of of, of your blog visits? Um, well, another one of my favourites is a place called Roslyn Glen, which actually is 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 fairly close to Edinburgh, so it's fairly accessible, uh, and it is somewhere that 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 people visit. It's it's a bit actually you you have to have your walking boots on and be be ready to really you know, climb over rocks and things like that to get to it. But it's, it's again, a mixture of history and landscape. It's, uh, I suppose it's a river valley where the river's cut through the stone over the, over the centuries and millennia. And it's created this amazing uh, landscape of strange rock formations and waterfalls and uh, torrents, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and so it's very beautiful to start with. Uh, but there is dotted along it uh, lots of uh, signs of human intervention. So it's got two castles, which is always nice. One of them, uh, Roslyn Castle, is uh, ruined. Of course, it's very near Roslyn Chapel as well, um, which I suppose, in a way, Roslyn Chapel is a nice example of the, the problems you're talking about earlier. I mean, there's nothing, few places more magical than Roslyn Chapel, but the problem with it is, particularly since, um, what's that terrible book? Um, oh, The Da Vinci Code. Yes, since the Da Vinci Code. I mean, that's somewhere I remember going as a child, and, and it was incredibly magical. But now it's, I mean, it's just so incredibly popular and incredibly busy that it's, it's yeah. not a very easy or pleasant place to visit. But if you walk ten minutes uh, away from it, you find this this wonderful quiet place with uh, an amazing story to tell. So you start at Roslyn Castle, which is half ruined, perched on a, on a craggy rock. Um, and then you, you start down the path and it gets more and more precarious and you come to the river itself. And as you wander down past these rock formations, there's lots of kind of hidden things to look out for. There's, there's strange carvings, p- probably prehistoric. I think it's the kind of carvings that they're not quite sure when they date from, but at least 
one of the rocks, which I spotted by pure chance, actually has a strange face carved into it. And yeah. I'm reading up on that afterwards, it turns out that that you know it is listed as, as something possibly prehistoric. It's, it's very it's very odd. Uh, and then further down, you also have a cave, which is of course also a good perception for magic, um, which has associations with uh, William Wallace, I think, is it? Um, another, you know, these kind of great Scottish historical heroes. Uh, but I, I didn't get into that because I was on the wrong side of the river, and it, you have to clamber down a very steep, uh, steep and slippery path to get in there. But but uh, this. You can see it in the distance across the river. And then as you walk further along, you come to another um, beautiful castle called Hawthorndon Castle, perched on the end. Um, so so a whole a whole kind of afternoon of magic, if you like, not just one site, but a string of them all, all together and, a, and a, 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 an amazingly um, a magical spot all in all, I guess. Yeah, the the picture of the of the face in that mossy rock is um, it's great. I just uh, I, it's quite I, something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you, you could find yourself um, waiting for its eyes to open or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like something from that movie Labyrinth or something. Exactly. But, um, I, I was just I was just yeah. think, I was just thinking about Labyrinth actually. I, I love that. Film. Yeah, yeah, that's another that's another childhood favorite. <laughs> absolutely. You didn't, um, you, you didn't meet like a... again. Sorry, you didn't meet um, a, a a snail that tried to help you and gave you the wrong directions. I no, I didn't unfortunately. <laughs> but but the funny thing about the face was it's quite small, and I didn't know it was going to be there, but I did spot it, which is an amazing stroke of luck. Um, so you know, maybe it was waiting for me. I don't know. But uh, but that's another another very special site. I mean, there's. Other places I've been to, which I don't think I've featured in the blog, is Orkney, which is a, as another favourite. You know, all these, all these places that have that that special, all these myths and legends that, that go back into the darkness of time, um, and lots of prehistory and yeah, burial mounds and standing stones are all those great favourites. And and the, the one place that I saw absolutely would love to visit is Kilmartin Glen, which which I've seen pictures of and read about. I think that's definitely next on my list of magical spots to to visit this uh, this area in the southwest of Scotland that's uh, obviously with some kind of centre for prehistoric ritual and religion and there's loads of, of wonderful stuff to see there. So hopefully soon I'll make it to there. Oh cool. Yeah that looks that that sounds amazing. Um, I know what you mean about Orkney. The, some of the places there seem to, they just have a real kind of almost like an energy to them. I mean, I've never been, but but just from mm-hmm. just from reading about them and seeing the pictures, it's just they seem like places where where the, the kind of the intent for why they were built is still pretty strong. It seems like mm-hmm. it seems like they they've got a lot of I don't know, like they've got a lot of power to them so they still kind of they're very evocative in terms of how they're put yeah. together and i mean I, th- I think i remember reading that that in bronze age times the kind of the the, the culture that existed in bronze age times was was centered differently it might have been kind of centered further north in britain so or it seems like it, yes that that was almost the center of, of, of culture and yeah ritual in, um, in britain everything was turned on its head and because things were more closely linked to scandinavia i think than yeah into southern europe as, as we now expect yeah. um yeah i mean it's amazing my my favorite place there was a a, a site called again i'm going to have to go into scottish here the dwarfy stain okay which is a lovely uh it's a tomb it's, it's a huge boulder that's obviously fallen from the cliff next to it and uh in I can't remember the exact date, but it, somebody has carved a chamber inside it, and uh, there's a stone that used to be its door that's fault, so you can clamber inside. and And of course, it has lots of tales of how it was home to well, home to a giant, even though the fact it would it would have to be a fairly small giant <laughs> inside it. Um, but it's set on well, just exactly what you'd want. It's set on a kind of windswept moor um, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, uh, there's a road nearby, but I, I suspect it's the kind of road that gets a couple of cars a week, uh, and you have to you have to 
well, walk there, really. It's quite, it's a fairly long walk from the, 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 the harbour. Uh, but absolutely worth it because it's a really stunning location. And I, I suspect also that the idea of having to journey somewhere, I, I quite like walking and feeling like you've, you've made a journey to get to, to somewhere really adds to the, the whole sense of it all as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that's something that maybe you people aren't, we, could, we kind of get used to living in a world where we can, you know, we write stuff down and we, we communicate differently to how they would have done a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the time, these sites kind of are generally, it's generally thought that they probably had some, some ritual um, purpose, but, but then there are other, other, other indications that it, it might just be somewhere for, for people to get together and have a, like some kind of social event and trade stories mm-hmm. and, so yeah. it's hard to. I mean, I, I think from the from the sites that I've been to, one of the things that one of the things that um, that strikes me is that, in almost in a way, it's it's great it's great kind of not knowing because it, it kind of fires your imagination. And I like yeah, you know, and when there's like when you when there are stories about these places, like some of the stories you talked about and the places you visited. I mean, it's it's great to kind of just enjoy those stories and 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 not really worry about and or care really whether they're true or not because that's not really yeah. the point of them it's i mean i mean i'm i'm a, I'm, I'm pretty open minded so i mean i'm i'm more than happy to believe that there was a a wizard with an army of goblins in that castle <laughs> yeah because that's pretty that's pretty awesome but um but yeah there's there is something about these places that 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 for me anyways is it's it's really inspiring like it it's, it feels like you're kind of reconnecting with something but i, I can't quite describe what it is and maybe that's the magic yeah. of it <laughs> yes i think so i mean it's 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 probably quite admission for somebody who, who now classes themselves a historian but it, although i'm interested in the history of many of these sites uh often for me it's it's not the most interesting thing like you say, it is it is the folklore in the atmosphere. I remember when I was a child going to all these uh, places, uh, lots of castles and ruined abbeys, which Scotland's obviously got, got absolutely loads of those. And I would always buy the guidebook, which tells you all about when it was built, who built it, blah, blah, blah. But I would uh, never read them. I would just look at the pictures and perhaps kind of, like you say, you end up weaving your own story around it, which is which is uh, part of the, the joy of places like that, using your imagination, and, uh, hearing the tales associated with it, and, you know, kind of expanding on those. Exactly, yeah. Um, so uh, outside of Scotland, there is a, there's a place that I noticed that you've got a, a few um, blog posts about, and those are sites in, in northern France in Brittany. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, somewhere that I noticed that, was called the Laval Sans Retour. The Val Sans Retour, yeah. yeah. Um, just wanted, we don't, just want to talk about that for a yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's an interesting site. Actually, that's part of a much larger uh, area called the Forest of Brocéliande, which uh, is or has been identified as um, uh, a place with lots of Arthurian associations. Uh, now I always get slightly. I'm certainly not a specialist in Arthur legends, but uh, it seems that well, as I'm sure you know, there seems to be a rather large amount of places that have links with King <laughs> Arthur, ranging from the north of Scotland to uh, France. Um, and I'm not quite sure where the idea comes from that he lived in Brittany, because I think the confusion is that in some of the French texts they call it. Bretagne, which is also Britain and Brittany. Yeah. Um, but there is this idea that that uh, the Forest of Brocéliande has these links, and there's lots of wonderful sites around there. One of the things I love about Brittany is um, I, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but I think it's a very, in my experience, this is maybe a generalisation. It's a very British thing to spend your weekends going to a stately house right. or a historical site or forest. But in France, certainly in Brittany, uh, people aren't really 
bothered about that kind of stuff. I think they'd much rather sit at home and have a nice meal. So uh, even in even in the places that are on the kind of tourist trail, you can go there and find yourself completely alone uh, and, and really explore them. And in the forest of Brasselions, you have all sorts of wonderful places. I mean, obviously, there's lots of prehistory there anyway. And of course, many of the stones are are linked with King Arthur. You can visit uh, the tomb of Merlin, uh, which is an old burial mound, which unfortunately, because it was called the tomb of Merlin in the 19th century, the locals basically dug the whole mound away looking for Merlin's tomb. Oh, right. Okay. Didn't, didn't find it, but but you can still see the the stones, the the dolmen, I suppose it is at the centre, and right next to that is a fountain of youth. If you fancy trying that out, the waters were pretty muddy and full of dead leaves, so I didn't actually, um, tempting as it was, I didn't I didn't uh, didn't try the waters there. Uh, you have the Valsal Tour, which was supposedly the place that Morgan the Fay used to trap. Uh, what was it? Faithless Warriors, I think it was. Uh, and near to that is an, another old, uh, well, it's the remains of an old burial site, which is called the Hote de Vivian, which I think is kind of Vivian's house. So again, she's a fairy, isn't she, I think. Um, and there's there's all sorts of stuff like that. There's also the, the Fountain of Barentone, which is, uh, I think, where... Um, the Black Knight used to be in Merlin. Used to use that as well. There's a, there's a thing that if you if you knock on one of the big stones, it will instantly start raining. Okay. Which I didn't try either because I obviously I was on holiday. I didn't want to tempt fate. But there's, I mean, you, there's scores of wonderful places around there. And again, many of them uh, you have to park and then walk through the forest for you know fairly reasonable distance. Yes. None of them are you know prohibitively far away but but the little winding paths through this very beautiful quite wild forest as well so you do get that sense that you're disappearing into a lost world i suppose as well never quite know what's around the corner so yeah absolutely that's a, that's a, i mean Brittany, all of britain is a, it's a wonderful hunting ground for magic and folklore and, and beautiful places but but the forest of Brasilians is you know, one of the one of the best, I would say. And where do the stories about that 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 place come from? Are they are, are they kind of are they in the? Is there well, a folklore there too, or is it kind of is it is it different to Scotland? Uh, uh, it's well, it's very similar. In fact, I would say it's probably more similar to places like Cornwall. And mm. it's very, uh, there's lots of the culture is very similar to Cornwall as well. But yes, it's very Celtic. Um, uh and um you know the, the, there's lots of um i've just finished a book actually which is all about based on all the the magical and healing stones because there is lots and lots of um megaliths there and lots of them have got uh, uh tales of their healing properties lots of fountains <coughs> and lots of megaliths um that people leave things on lots of lots of rubbing yourself up against megaliths in order to, <laughs> to cure various parts of the body as well or if you got an um, itchy back as well i guess <laughs> well quite <laughs> uh, and there seems to be a lot of them that to help your child walk as well i don't know if that's a particularly breton problem but placing your child in a stone to help them walk seems to be a very popular one as well um but it's it, it's fascinating and there is a, there is a Lots of them are linked with the, the giant Gargantua, who again I think is not exclusive to that part of France, and maybe it pops up in British folklore as well. Stones that fell out of his sandal as he was striding across across the landscape, um, and lots of goblins and lots of buried treasure as well. But so in a way, I think a lot of this folklore is very similar wherever you go. It's the same stories framed in slightly different ways, which is quite fascinating in its own right, I suppose. Yeah, and I was going to say that it, uh, Brittany, the, the places you've been in Brittany, it reminded me of, of, of Cornwall quite a lot. I've been to yeah. some of the places around and, there. There's a, there's a great um, uh, site in in Cornwall, which I, I think you've you, um, done a post about where you, um, there's a big kind of stone, not a stone circle, like a stone, like a literal stone sort of donut. 
and uh... and then I'm taught. Do you know I haven't done a I haven't done a um, post on that because I haven't been to Cornwall since I was a kid. But I did drag my parents to that very spot. It's Menantor, it's mm. called, isn't it? And you crawl through it. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to crawl through it three <laughs> times in a circle. And I can't remember which way. It's probably very important whether you go clockwise or anti-clockwise. Um, but yes, I have been there and I have tried it. And I can't remember what it's supposed to do. But, but and that, it did work. Again, I think it's good for rheumatism and things like that. Although I, I think when I was a kid, I think that wasn't I think maybe, a huge concern. I think maybe it did a... A woman's child get taken by the fairies, and then she did she have to go through that three times, and then the fairies brought it back, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 doubtless, doubtless, yeah. Um, well, there is, yeah, there's that whole also that whole side of folklore, which, which again, actually, is thinking about it. You get in Scotland, you also get in Britain, and I, I guess you get in Cornwall as well. It's the 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 fair, it's a very common one in Scotland that thing of you visit, you, you're at a a strange mound, which we can guess from the stories is probably a, a Bronze Age barrow, mm. and a door opens up, and people go inside and have a party, and then emerge the next day to find it's thirty years later. That's a, that's a so so you know there's all these and I and again in a way it goes back to what we we're saying earlier. It's it's a way of explaining what these strange things are. You know these these Hubert, these strange mounds and that dot the landscape. That are that they I guess they wouldn't know were Bronze Age burial sites, so they're 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 fairy mounds that happen to have treasure inside as well. Um, and also in Brittany, there's lots of nasty fairies that kidnap children. I've been to, I've been to a place uh, where the, where they um, reputed to live, and it was quite creepy actually. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but again, it, it some stones in a forest and an old prehistoric enclosure which is very overgrown hmm. um uh probably the crew de fay or something like that and it's uh it's yeah there's lots of tales of, of not very nice fairies that, that kidnap children and, and leave uh, yeah it's, it's it's interesting um if you follow the threads of slightly disparate areas of the paranormal how the, the similarities yeah. that you start finding that there's a lot of similarities between um, fairy fairy visits and fairy abduction and and now and in the twentieth century, like yeah, encounters with aliens. Um, in terms of yes. like yes, missing time and and also encounters yeah. with with fairies and and the, the men in black as well, like the the way they behave. It's mm. it's 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 really <laughs> it's fascinating, really. And I, I think it all kind of, like it all kind of comes back to this to this other this sense of other that that i think maybe societies in the past had a bit of a better relationship with or an understanding of and in the modern world we've kind of separated ourselves from i i'm not sure whether mm-hmm. whether that's the case or not but it seems that way it's, it's, it seems like it's it's all still there but it's just a case of sort of uh, finding it again if you know what i mean Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. I remember, um, I think I, because I, I, I'm still fairly active on Twitter, even though I haven't updated the blog for a while. Uh, and uh, I, I love uh, Folklore Thursday, that, that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Hashtag yeah. where lots of people share folklore. And I think I, they had a, a weekly theme of children and babies, and I tweeted that place in Brittany. It's actually called the Courtille de Fay, which means the fairy courtyard. Mm. And said, you know, this is somewhere where. And somebody commented that it's strange how all this, all the folklore about children that people were tweeting was all about children being abducted, <laughs> <laughs> and how dark it was. And I remember somebody replying that actually, um, the reason probably is that in those days children were always getting sick and dying. Yeah. And one way to explain that was the, the curse of the fairies, I suppose. You know, it's again, it's that thing of trying to. Trying to understand things that are that are strange and unpleasant, and a fairy um, is well in those days maybe maybe the first thing that pops into your head I guess but I guess it is fascinating, um, I, and I don't know much about non-European folklore but I'd imagine that in many ways it's it's remarkably similar to the kind of stuff that we've got. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Um, so uh, the blog sort of ended for now, um, but it sounds like you're mm-hmm. still planning to go and visit places. So um, yes. You, yes. Where, where next do you planning to visit? Are you going to go further afield or, or are there still, I, mean, I imagine um, there's still plenty of places in the British Isles that are, you'd like to visit. But, um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I uh, yes, I, I mean, the thing is, I always, I realised as I started blog, I'd, I'd kind of always done this. And I, I would say I did it more. I was, I was, I was writing the blog, you know, I, I actively searched out things, but I still do it now, even when I haven't got the blog for a couple of years, because it is just something I love to do. Um, and in fact, I'm heading off on uh, in two days' time. On Thursday, I'm going for a walk. So that walking thing again. And I'm going to explore the South Downs Way. Two days walking along the South Downs, which is one of, another one of my favourite spots. Uh, lots of old Iron Age forts and burial mounds and uh, white chalk figures. Uh, and also beautiful old English thatched cottages and little villages and so it's almost like stepping back in time mm. so um so i'm gonna i'm gonna go walking there for two days and, and just kind of see what i find i suppose have you been um, to sorry have you been to chanctonbury ring yes okay because that's uh... this is not the first time i've walked in the south day that I've, I've done two-thirds of it and I'm, this this final trip is going to be the last time that i've not done before chanctonbury ring is wonderful yeah yeah i've heard good stuff an amazing location the great views that those kind of gnarly trees yeah grow up in the middle of it it's i've heard some spooky stories about chanctonbury ring um i can't you can't you can't you call it the devil yeah there was a i can't remember what you have to do you leave some milk or something something like that there was a book by robert mcfarlane I yes, think I was going to mention him actually. That the old and it's called the old paths or the something. Old ways. The old ways. The old ways. There's a chapter yeah. in that where he took he he stays the night. He camps out at Chanctonbury Ring, and it's right. <laughs> it sounds yes. yeah, it sounds pretty 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 freaky. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I must say, I I have read that book and I really enjoyed that book. And I when I go on my walks, I sometimes think of that. I love the idea of sleeping out in the landscape mm. and doing what he does. But to be honest. I don't have the nerve to do that. I'm not quite brave enough <laughs> to sleep sleep under a bush or camp out in a in a long barrow, which I think he does on one of his walks as well. Um, so that's uh, you know a wonderfully romantic idea. Maybe one day I'll pluck up the nerve to do that because to me that would be the ultimate magical journey to you know to do that thing, and a bit like Patrick Lee Furmore or something like that, just set out in the backpack and yeah and. and what you discover and where you end up, but I'm afraid it's uh, B and B's for me all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That's a, that's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> One day in my dreams, in my dreams, I can imagine doing it. Later. But but yeah, I mean Robert McFarlane is definitely a great inspiration. That thing of walking along um, old old paths, quite literally. I did that actually. One of my blog posts was. Uh, of days walk in Wiltshire where I started out in Marlborough and followed um, one of the really old track, one of the ancient trackways around there and discovered all sorts of um, um, there's, a, there's an old uh, earthwork that runs along like a frontier earthwork and uh, I ended up going past West Kennet Long Barrow, Silbury Hill and that was the time, the most recent time I visited Avebury um, and there was lots of magic on the way, but as I said, when when I got to Avebury itself, it was it was a lovely experience. But it's not it is no longer somewhere that you're going to find magic. But the landscape around it, if you get away from the, the busy centre, there's lots to see there and lovely place to to kind of explore. Oh, great! Um, I think we're coming towards the end of the episode, Alan. Um, just uh, one last one last thing. If if I yep. to kind of um, advise someone on. I'm starting their own search for magic in the landscape after being inspired by listening to you in this episode. Um, what yeah. would you What would you recommend? Um, and how to start that? Something like that. Yeah, that's a difficult one because I suppose it, how how you interpret magic is often quite a personal thing, and one person's magic is not another. But but um, I suppose it's just getting out there and seeing what's there. Because I mean, we've been talking a lot about 
the open landscape out about the countryside, but but in cities in London, there's this place that are magical places like Dennis Sever's house or the Jonestown Museum and uh, kind of strange uh, places like that. Um, so it's just a case of 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 searching for what's you know some of the some of the lesser known places that 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 are quieter and and and. Uh, just seeing what's out there, I suppose. Maybe just uh, just um, going out for a walk near where you live. Just not really sure where Absolutely. you're not really sure with not having any particular yeah. destination, perhaps. But just go for a walk. I would say <laughs> forests and yeah, forests and quiet places and uh, and ancient places are. And it, yeah, I don't think particularly in Britain. I don't think you have to go too far uh, wherever you live to find uh, spots like that, really. So the blog is mysearchformagic.com. That's that's, that's still right. going to be going for a while. But, but. Yes, and I still tweet as at MSF Magic too. That's that's what's most active at the moment. Brilliant. Um, places that I visited, you know, interesting football tales and it, lots of nice pictures. I can hardly, yeah, I can hardly recommend you um, your your Twitter account. It's a, it's a great it's a great read and look at pictures. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, pictures are definitely one of the main things. Okay, well, um, Alan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, My pleasure. Um, it's been it's been a really great talk. Um, uh, yeah, have have a great time in the South Downs, and um, yeah, yeah, and I look forward to it. Yeah, um, speak soon, hopefully. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye. Well, I thought that was a, an interesting conversation. I think Alan makes a really good point about how some places, the ones that are more well-known, aren't going to be really right for you if you're looking for a place that has a sense of magic about it. You need to go somewhere that's a bit more off the beaten track, less well-known. In the UK, we're pretty lucky. I think most places have somewhere quiet near them. So if you're interested in this sort of thing, I would say find a map. Find somewhere that you want to go and see if you can find it. You probably find that you do find something magical there. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with another episode soon. If you would like to get in touch with the podcast, you can find me at, at SphericalPod or you can email someothersphere at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm.